Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Sheena, we get a lot of people that actually ask us to be on Reveal, and it is very flattering. I'm very impressed by that. It is. You know, we kind of threw our email address on the podcast episodes at the end, not expecting that people may even actually listen that far in or reply to us. But we get a lot of inquiries and requests. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you're launching a podcast, you're just hoping people will listen to it. And of course, you know, if you do an interview show like we do, you need people that want to be on it. So it was a good early sign of people wanting to be on it. Now, the reason I bring this up is not to brag in any way, shape or form. But the fact that Amy Volas, our interviewee today, has done the best job getting on the podcast because she reached out to me a while ago. We'd had some, some like, uh, I think some like LinkedIn chats and she was persistent. I think, you know, mm-hmm. so I was like, hey, we've got a queue, you know, we're, we're going to get you on there. And she was legitimately like creeping up the queue as we got there. And then she reached out and she was just like, hey, when are we going to party? Like, are we going to do this or not? <laughs> and we just said yes. And we booked her immediately. And so that's the yeah. conversation we're going to hear today. But I had, you'll, you'll hear, you guys will hear uh, Amy kind of joke about it, about kind of bullying her way on. Of course, she was invited, but it was just, it was great to see her embody those great sales follow-up skills to, to make it on today's reveal episode. hundred percent. And um a little bit sneak peek into what goes on behind the scenes at Reveal is generally before we meet with the guests, we do you know prepare materials, we prepare some questions, we get our guests up to speed so that they know what to expect. Um, but with Amy, because she is a podcast pro um, and an enterprise sales pro and can really think on the fly, we recorded this entire episode um, live. Like there was no real preparation other than kind of the general topics of what we wanted to cover. Um, but I think she really, again, that persistence, that ability to think on the fly and really highlighting her ex- uh, expertise and experience around a specific topic really honed in on that. Yeah. And he's the type of person you can just give a microphone to and like nudge her on stage in front of like a thousand people and give her nothing. And she could, she could come up with gold. So I felt, I felt confident, but um, yeah, it was cool. So what we covered today was what it really means to be successful in enterprise sales. Um, and so, yeah, that's it. Amy's closed over a hundred million dollars. She's been an early employee at Indeed. And so we were pumped to have her on and she just talks about, you know, high level things that leaders can do all the way down to tactical things that sales, uh, sales folks can do, whether you think you want to get into enterprise sales or if you're in enterprise sales looking to get 1% better, this interview will deliver that. 100%. All right. 100% from Sheena. She's all in. I'm all in. Let's go all in with Amy Volus. Amy, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited and I appreciate you succumbing into my peer pressure to do this. Um, I'm excited (laughs) to talk shop together. So thank you. This is a lovely moment and a treat. I appreciate it. (laughs) You were always on the list, but you did a great job of being persistent and making sure you got on the schedule, uh, which I appreciate as a salesperson too. I mean, from one salesperson to the next, if I'm going to 
talk my talk, I better walk my walk. So, you know, social proof right there. It happened. We can all agree that went down. Con- consider yourself walked. You did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, for the folks who don't know, and I admittedly didn't know until we started hanging out, like exactly what it is you do. Do you want to just break that down for us real quick and what Avenue Tal- Talent Partners is all about? Sure. So I am the founder and CEO of Avenue Talent Partners, and I built the company around my experiences uh, when it came to being in enterprise sales, being in sales leadership, being in the startup ecosystem. And I was always in the HR tech recruiting talent acquisition uh, ecosystem. And sales hiring is something that churns almost three times more than any other role. And, um, through the years, people always told me whether it was sales or something else, it was like, I don't have a problem talking to people, finding people. I have a real big problem finding the right people for the work that we're doing that'll stick around. And so those are always problems that I've tried to solve. But when I think about recruiting specifically internally and externally, by the way, there are some broken bits and pieces. And so I started my first company in 2008. That was 2008. We won't talk about that because that could be a whole other podcast. Um, but I decided to start Avenue Talent Partners in 2015 because I realized I had cracked the code a bit when it came to helping founders and executive sales leaders hire the right people the first time around to avoid all the icky stuff that happens when you mishire. And so we work with varying stages of startups to build out true blue enterprise sales teams and to hire sales leaders and executive sales leaders. So that's the lane that we swim in. I think your experience working as uh, you know, a senior sales leader at Indeed and ZipRecruiter and really having that deep experience in those areas probably set you up really well to start your own organization. Thank you for calling that out. It's interesting because I was employee number 20-something at Indeed, and that, that mm. job at that time it was all about building. I took, I was, I was a guinea pig for all intents and purposes. I was their first remote employee. Um, they had not tackled the enterprise market and that's what I was there to do. And I was there through exit. And so you start seeing how things change as you're growing. And, you know, they exited for over a billion and a half dollars. They took on 2 million in funding. Um, that's a very different story than uh, after that I went to, a company called Guild that's not even around anymore to ZipRecruiter that um, you see different stages and at different stages, the work that needs to be done is different. And I'm an enterprise sales gal. There were SMB and inside sales teams and that work is different. So um, I realized and still realize sales is not one size fits all yet. So many people want to treat it that way. And that's part of what happens in the hiring motion of where people get it wrong. So that was my jam of like, uh, uh-uh, uh, it, it, this needs to be fixed. I know how to fix it. And, um, for companies that care about that or they're reeling cause they got it wrong and they don't want to get it wrong again. That is my life's work. I, I seriously feel like I was put on the planet to do this. There are two lines on your LinkedIn profile, Amy, that caught my attention. And I think you just described the first one, which is your header. I help startups hire sales leaders without the cringe. I <laughs> yeah. like that. I kind of felt it. I think you just say the word cringe and you kind of have to cringe. Like the word yawn. Yes. I think you just yawn if you say it enough times. Yes. Or roll your eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other one is 
uh, on your profile under Avenue Talent, and it says, great sales teams aren't built on guesswork. Can you describe what you mean by that? Yeah, so I think it goes back to a little bit of what I just described in terms of um, this isn't a one-dimensional thing. It's multifaceted, yet we want to treat it as such. And um, trying to figure out what you really need through the process, not having a process, not knowing what you really want, why you're hiring, what that looks like. I find so many people in our ecosystem of startups are like, oh, I just got my A round. I got my B round. I got my C round. I don't care what round. And immediately, I think nine times out of 10, that money goes to sales hiring. And it's like, if this, then that, but there's no true understanding of, well, why? Forget about that we have money. What is the true demand in the business? And just throwing bodies at it doesn't necessarily mean that's a great idea. So I'm all for discovery and intentionality and understanding and connecting the dots. And when you do that, things start to exponentially change. So that's what I mean by that. I, I think a lot of that, hiring when you know when companies raise the next round um, especially in some of those early to mid stages they're looking to move up market they're looking to shift into enterprise and grow and build a world-class team um, around enterprise sales but it's different like you said right it's different than the existing teams that you have that are selling to mid-market or smb what are like some of the top considerations and things that make enterprise sales really unique from your perspective yeah, so I think it's the work that's actually involved, and it's not just the shiny objects. So I think people get caught up in logos and dollar amounts and opportunities, but they haven't done the work before, and they don't know what it truly looks like. So if all you've ever done as an organization is spend your time in, let's say, a high-velocity, highly transactional SMB sales motion, and your sales leadership only comes from that space and your executive team they've never been in sales and they've never been in enterprise sales and everything that you've done to this point is all smb but now you've gotten some leads and the leads come from big brands so yep we might as well go upstream and now we've got this this cash flow that supports us to do that what people don't realize is to build a repeatable scalable measurable function from scratch in the true enterprise it's complex, it's strategic, and most importantly, um, it is a slog. It takes a long time. It takes 18 months on average to have a team that's fully functional, that's operating on all cylinders because you're building a pipeline from scratch. And it's not just something that you do with a 35 point cadence of blasting out a bunch of emails or outbound to your customers, it's strategic. And so my formula for success has always been do the right work with the right people consistently. And that's when your pipeline is starting to materialize for short-term, near-term, and long-term opportunities. And the best enterprise sellers that stick around for the long haul that tend to make the most money know that that's what it takes. And so I find that there's a really big misconception between the top and those that are at the ground level doing the work. Um, and then the customer of perception versus reality. Perception versus reality is going to get my ear every time I live on that, uh, figuring out what's, what kind of the truth is. 
we were hanging out before this, Amy, we were thinking of things to really dive into. And I know we're starting to, but I'm curious, like, what does it really mean to you to be successful in enterprise sales? And we can start high level, we can get tactical, but what are like the key takeaways for folks listening that want to either make it in enterprise or get to the enterprise sales motion? So it's less about me and my agenda and more about knowing that I'm here to address one of three things. Uh, help my customer solve a problem, help them get better, or help them achieve a goal. And so good salespeople, and, and this is not my quote, this is actually Mark Birch who created the Enterprise Sales Forum. I love this quote. I've used it in a lot of stuff that I've written. I live and die by this. Good salespeople sell lots of products, but great salespeople make lots of customers successful. And that is absolutely on repeat because Devin, you and I got connected through music, that's on my playlist, like every day, all day, nonstop, is that. We have talked about music. We have differing, agreement. We have differing uh, opinions there, but I think we're agreeing on the enterprise front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is like, the, is it a mind shift thing? Like, how do you, you know, like, I, and it makes sense, right? Like you get into sales and, you know, selling is important. You have to hit a number and a lot of people are money-minded. And then the other thing it sounds like you're saying is it's really about problem solving. So, and I don't think any, that's probably not the most revolutionary thing, but how does an enterprise sales team really start to embody that, you know, problem solving mentality, that customer obsessed mentality, instead of just trying to hit those numbers because there is looming pressure to do so. Yeah. So I think it's about understanding what you're there to do in the first place right? So like, it can't just be, oh, I've got this patch. And now I'm going to spend a day thinking about what I want to put into outreach. And no offense to them, it could be sales left, it could be your own technology, it could be Google, I don't care. But so many people just shoot from the hip. And it's like dial for dollars, uh, numbers game, spray and pray, like that's not going to fly here. And enterprise sales typically Part of what makes it complex is you have a lot of different people that are part of the buyer journey. Now, even in SMB, they're saying that there's at least six people. Um, put it this way. My uncle works at a major corporation. He's been in sales forever. We always talk shop. He's working on an $850 million deal. And the spreadsheet to track all this has over a thousand tabs. So you've got to be thinking really critically and broadly about what is it that we're really doing in the marketplace and why are we here and what makes us different outside of the features and benefits, but you've got to understand that first and foremost. You have to understand the marketplace in which you occupy and just dialing for dollars is not going to happen because you're talking about very different kinds of customer profiles inside that same organization and inside like a Procter and Gamble, for example, they have the Procter and Gamble sort of brand. And then there's all of these other brands underneath that umbrella and they can all make their own different buying decisions. So then you have to think about expansion opportunity and what that looks like and why, and what one brand might need and why they need it versus another. And so Nothing is one size fits all and understanding the different players that are involved and some can pull a trigger and have buying authority and some are much more influential 
that can give you the lowdown of what's really happening behind the scenes. I think the best people realize you seek to understand all the time. So at first, in my mind, what needs to happen is you have to be intentional about knowing truly what your total addressable market is. And inside of that, like if it's an early stage company and you have the entire country, then you've got to really think about what accounts are the best fit. Where do I want to spend my time? Who really could benefit from us? If there are customers that we already have, I like to look alike model and say, oh, okay, so if we did P&G, what other CPG companies are like them that could benefit that might have the same use case? So I'm creating efficiency in the work that I'm doing to say, okay, so in the CPG umbrella, these are some real big things that are happening. Oh, and now I'm going to do my research and find out what are the companies actually talking about and where's the common ground. And if I'm investing all that time, all is not lost because now I have an account list of, let's say, top 20 for CPG. The narrative can be very similar. It can seem highly personalized because it's the same challenges you can make a few tweaks to be personal to the person and not just like hey i saw that you went to kent state university too that's not what i'm talking about here i'm talking about maybe something that they referenced or an article that they published or something that called out in their annual report that's what i'm talking about with that um, but now you're efficient because you've done homework in that particular sector and you can parlay that uh, across that sector without having to recreate the wheel every single time, which is always a big debate of personalization and personalization at scale. That's one way to start thinking about it where you can do that. But it really starts with seeking to understand what is the space that we truly occupy. I think so many companies get it wrong where it's like, we don't have any competitors and we are the best in class solution for X, Y, and Z. And um, we have the cure for what ails you. And all of that is assumptive. And there's no real quantification or qualification of why or how beyond features. I, I do this thing called Thursday Night Sales. And there was a gentleman that was on there. And he was like, yeah, so we get to win over our, our um, competitors because we have a Slack channel. And I was like, what? Like, how? And he's like, well, that's what the founder said. And I said, what does your customer say? And it was crickets like just looked at me like with sort of like that kind of, uh-oh, I don't know the answer to that. And so in enterprise sales, in my mind, everything ties back to the buyer because at the end of the day, whether it's enterprise or it's SMB or it's something else, the buyer holds the keys always. And if you don't show up prepared, you will crash and burn. You will not have a very long standing career in this, in this segment. Amy's point that the most successful enterprise teams are laser focused on solving customer challenges and goals reminded me of Forrester's recently published study titled Navigate the Future of Selling with Revenue Intelligence, where they surveyed 213 North American sales execs. Their goal was to understand how they use timely customer data to improve sales execution and business outcomes. Here are the top three primary business goals from the survey each with about 44% of respondents selecting that option. Improve customer loyalty and retention, improve customer experience, and better understand and respond to customer needs. If you're wondering what about new logos, that was number four. 
All is to say that Amy is spot on. The data backs up that enterprise leaders are focused on better understanding customers so revenue teams can more effectively solve their challenges. If you'd like to check out the full report, you can download it for free in the show notes. For enterprise sales is far from a solo sport, right? Like you, it's, there are so many relationships even internally that you have to build in order to put your company's best foot forward when interacting with, with your buyer, with your customer. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about like TAM analysis and, and there would be uh, folks that you'd work with internally to help build that analysis. And, and there are many others. How do, you re- uh, how do you recommend enterprise reps best build these relationships internally? And who are some of those critical stakeholders uh, where those relationships are, are must have? So for the record, um, I grew up and came through not having a lot of that internal support and having to do that all for myself. The good news about today is you've got a lot, especially if it's not an early stage company, if it's an early stage company, you're going to have to be like me and do it yourself. Um, and perhaps, uh, be part of like modern sales pros revenue collective. If you're a sales leader, um, things along those lines to, to get insight beyond your own four walls. But if you're a later stage company, you have amazing people in sales operations and enablement. And that is absolutely part of their role is to help you and to think about the tech stack that's already been invested in to be able to do that. Um, You have the product team. The product team knows exactly what's going on when it comes to how they're forecasting the product roadmap, what that looks like. isn't that a treat to understand that firsthand so that you can speak to your customers effectively and thoughtfully and truthfully, right? Nobody likes to be sold snake oil. Um, I also then think about our customer success folks, right? I want to know this deal has been sold. I'm setting my sights in, in um, these top 20 accounts for CPG. You are working on Unilever two years later after we sold this. What are they saying to you? What do they need? You're getting that intel from what's happening inside of your organization, your sales leadership, right? Your other executive leadership, your marketing team. I look at a business as an ecosystem and everybody has a stake and everyone has unique perspective that maps back to the customer because what people don't realize is the customer, you don't have a business without customers. And all you have to really do is spend the time listening to them and paying attention, like active listening for the win, two ears, one mouth, um, all of those things. If you come, one of the things that I did in in my career um, that served me really well was to listen to what was happening inside of our organization and why we were making the moves that we were making and what that looked like. And so if it was like, well, wait, we're going to release this new feature. And at the time, the example that I'm thinking of, uh, we were not enterprise ready. And I did not realize that coming into the mix. And I was, set, I, was, I was told something different, which is fine. My buyers cared about compliance and um, having that baked into the technology. Because if they were to be audited, and many of them had ties to getting audited, they would be in a world of hurt. And we couldn't solve for that. And so you better believe that when I was thinking about canvassing the marketplace and working internally, I wanted to talk to the product team. I wanted to talk to the engineering team to truly 
find out what's really happening here instead of just being grinned at and being like, yeah, it's on the roadmap. I mean, how many of us in sales are like, yeah, so are we working on this? Yep, it's on the roadmap. Well, where is it? And why is it? And what is it? And if I know that, and I'm in a year plus long sales cycle, I can weave those expectations into the conversation without just being like, yep, nope, it's on the roadmap. See the difference of being able to say, I heard compliance was really important to you. And full disclosure, we're not there yet. For the last four weeks, I've spent time with my product team, with our engineering team, and I've sat in on five different strategy meetings to understand what this looks like. And it's not just that it's on the roadmap, it's going to be ready to go in three months' time. And let's be honest, we're going to have to work out some kinks here. By the time you're ready to buy in eight months, which is what you just told me, we'll be ready to go for you. We'll have learned some lessons. We'll have refined it. Is that interesting to you? Very different kind of conversation than like, yep, nope, sure, yep, we have it. Roadmap, not roadmap. It's a much deeper kind of thoughtful conversation. I really like that idea of, uh, you know, like you said, about the ecosystem. And, and I've always believed that, you know, sellers that know the product inside and out, and especially invest the time to know the product roadmap, can have that response, like you just said. And I think you also build credibility and trust by admitting it's not perfect, right? Like, hey, full, like you said, full disclosure, we're not quite there yet, but here are the steps, you know, that we're taking. I feel like that lands a lot better with buyers, especially today. It does. Well, and if anybody is like, oh, wow, I don't have to speak in half truths or mm -hmm. I'm writing checks I won't be able to cash. One of the very best books that talks about transparency in sales and how to do that, especially around negotiating. Todd Capone wrote a book called The Transparency Sale. And this could be for SMB. This could be for enterprise sales. It could be for anything. It is absolutely phenomenal about getting over the angst of having a difficult conversation when you can't solve for everything, but you still get the deal done because you were transparent. You're like the third person to tell me to read that book. I got to check it out. I'm a Todd fan, so I got to go read it. I'm a huge Todd fan and it's a phenomenal book, truly. I can't even read some of the pages anymore because they're like dog-eared and, you know, tattered and torn. <laughs> Highlights everywhere. <laughs> yes, exactly. And like have... maybe you send me a new book with a love note on the front cover. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know Sheena reads books the same way because she let me borrow a book and it actually did a lot of the work for me because like all the things she was uh, highlighting, I was like about to highlight. So uh, I, I can respect when people are writing <laughs> in the margins. I love that. I, I really do. You're my spirit animal. I like it. Well, and, and something to think about here for those getting into um, sales and thinking like, oh my gosh, I want to be an enterprise sales one day when I grow up. It's hard. It's long. You got to celebrate all the small wins to get to the big win. Um, and nothing is handed to you. And I think for those that are used to really being enabled in one part of the sales journey, like my job is to only close. My job is to only set meetings. My job is to only do this. Right. And you have so many people telling you, here's your script. Here's your talk track. Here's all of the tools. You just go in and do this. That's not enterprise sales. And you've got to be able to think pretty quickly and clearly and strategically. And nobody's really there to hold your hand. And if you need that, you're not, you're set up for failure, truly. Now, it's a great differentiator because, um, you know, have you been on many sales floors? There are the folks that are, you know, 
relatively fresh or maybe kind of into it, but the, the point is that they want to get into enterprise sales for kind of the glory, the, you know, I want mine, you know, I want that logo to have been mine on the front page of the website, or, you know, I want that big check. And then as you start to go up market, maybe, you know, mid market and, and early enterprise, it, it is exactly what you just said. It's a complete, it's kind of a completely different game. And I know a lot of the skills transfer, but you do have to have that enormous amount of focus and the ability to lead. You might not be a team leader, but you're leading other people like sales engineers, sales development. You have to man, you know, manage up with sales leaders to get them involved. Uh, so I can completely relate that it is you know, a, different, uh, a different game overall. It is, and it's hard. And it's for people that are used to selling 10 deals in a week, for true blue enterprise sales, you might not sell 10 deals in a year. Right. But the deals that you do sell could be high six figure, seven figure deals. So, you know, that's, that's something that I would encourage if there are any um, founders or executives listening to this, that's why it's so important to tie back to the hiring process for a second. That's why it's so important to realize that there are 48 different kinds of sales leaders in the market, according to Jason Lumpkin, and I totally agree with him you better make sure you hire the right one for your business. And the VP of inside sales, that that's all they've done for their entire career and they're fabulous and that's what they know and that's the language that they speak fluently to be like, oh, now you're going to lead enterprise sales. Your margin for error and the risk associated exponentially increased. And so many people don't realize that there are such big differences and how you treat your buyer and what they need, especially from a product perspective, heavy duty enterprise sales, more times than not, there's always the exception to the rule. The product needs to be iterated. It needs to be customized. There's a big implementation piece. They have lots of people on their team from IT to IS to procurement to marketing to whatever it is that you might be selling that care a whole lot about how that affects them and they need to tweak here and then they need to tweak there for companies that aren't prepared to do that, that costs a lot of time, it costs a lot of money, and if you're not ready, you're going to lose money on the deal. So Amy, when I think about enterprise sales, I have this kind of stereotype in my head of you know, that uber successful rep who's kind of a lone wolf, uh, you know, just to use that terminology, they're closing a ton of business, they're uber successful, but they're not necessarily sharing their learnings. Um, they're not necessarily taking the feedback and giving it to other team members who could be learning from that. Uh, you know, I'm sure we all have like that person that we can remember from uh, our experiences that fits that uh, description. I'm curious, like what kind of advice you have for uh, sales leaders and managers who have enterprise reps like that on their team and, and how can they best manage somebody who has this ridiculously high output level, but is kind of in their own sphere? Yeah. So I think people can get away with that if they're making it rain. Right. Um, I think it's an easy problem that happens because by and large before COVID uh, people were traveling a lot and they didn't have time and they weren't logging it in the system and all the things. And so I think if I'm, I'm talking to a leader, it starts with the hiring process and setting expectations. But if you're stepping in and you've inherited somebody and this is what's going on, I'm all for cards face up on the table and saying, you know, I'm so excited about X, Y, and Z, but this particular piece is falling short and understanding where it's coming from and 
instead of a mandate, I had a conversation yesterday with an old client who's a CEO and he's telling me about some of the stuff that was going on in their business. And um, they put out a really big mandate. Like if this doesn't change and this happens, you're all going to get demoted. And I said, you realize that like there are studies that talk about that approach not working so well. Um, same rules here. So like threatening or being like, I'm going to put you on a pip or I'm going to do this. Like, nope, it's just going to alienate me more, but incentivize the behaviors and outcomes that you want to see. And so if you want to see more of that, how is the plan designed? And is there anything in terms of a milestone or an expectation that speaks to cross-functional collaboration on the team that speaks to, if you, uh, we would love to learn from you. Uh, let's come up with a creative way where you can create a round table for the team, right? So like working together to figure it out versus being like, you're not talking to anybody. You're not logging anything in here. You're a lone wolf to use challenger terminology that you used. Um, and that's not working for us. If you flip the script and enable um, and, and creatively come up and ultimately incentivize that behavior, watch what happens. And, if, and there's always a brilliant jerk, right? Like if, if that's just not <laughs> working and they're not going to do that, which I've seen myself, then you've got to ask your question, yourself a question. Can I deal with it? Is that risk of losing them greater than the reward of keeping them or vice versa? And that's a whole other ball of wax. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think is something that enterprise leaders are doing that they should stop doing immediately? Uh, individual contributors or sales leaders that are leading the team? Leaders. Or if you got a hot take for reps, I'll take reps. But I was, I was curious for leaders. For, no, I like the leader uh, lens that they automatically assume that every single person is the same and that the way that I was successful as an enterprise seller, because most enterprise sales leaders were sellers. And so they automatically plug and play. This worked well for me. So it's got to work well for every single one of you. And remember, it's not a one size fits all. So stop treating it that way. Stop doing that. You're going to piss off and alienate your top people because everybody crosses the finish line different. It's about how it's about understanding what they need, why they need it, why the customer needs it and meeting them where they are to block and tackle internally to get out of their way so that they can make it rain. I like it. That was crispy. I don't mess around, man. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I agree. I completely agree too. Um, okay. Final question for you. We ask everyone on the podcast this question. Are you ready? Yes. Bring it. How would you describe sales in one word? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, there's so many words. I can't pick one. Uh, rewarding. Nice. It is. My favorite like part it. of this, by the way, isn't even the answer. It's the pause when people think. Like, I love seeing how long people are thinking about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> like roller coaster. Then it, but like, even in the roller coaster, like the highs are the best. Yes. And the lows suck the worst. But net, net, it's always awesome. Like, if you, I've been in it for over 20 years. I can't imagine myself anywhere else, truly. And I've taken my licks but the rewards are worth it. I'm not even talking about the monetary stuff. Like I'll give you a true story. An old client of mine from more than 12 years ago 
texted me recently and was like, Hey, guess what? My position's going to be eliminated. I'm out in the fall. Um, how are you doing? Any ideas for me? Let's grab wine the next time you're in Chicago. Like I still have those relationships from the work I did all those years ago. Like that is the stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Like that I'm thought of all these years ago because I helped you then and I can help you now. Like, and it had nothing to, she doesn't do anything that I do now. Like it has nothing to do, but I still have a network from back in the day. Like those relationships, that work that meant something that I'm still top of mind, that it still matters. Like that's the stuff. You have to feel truly fulfilled by those highs to, to, to stay in sales, but you also have to be able to kind of master the ability to take those lows and like turn it into motivation. You know what I mean? Versus like staying down and out, uh, yeah. at least, at least in my opinion. Well, because if you don't realize why you're doing something right. So I'll, I'll back up my last statement of saying that's the stuff. And by the way, because of that, the money is always followed mm-hmm. because I'm sure people will be listening to this and like, I'm coin operated and it's all about the money. If that's the case, your buyers will see that. Sure. You can sell lots of product, but you're also not going to do as well as you could do seriously for the long haul. And when things get tricky and if that's the foot that you lead with good luck, because part of that equals we all have highs and we all have lows and the roller coaster is going to go up and it's going to go down. And if you're not prepared because you didn't do the right work, because you didn't know why you were doing it because you did it for the wrong reasons, when it goes down, you're going to get your ass handed to you. And that's painful. And I hear about it and I see it every single day. So that's why. Well, and those folks are not going to have your situation that you described of those relationships and those, you know, coming back to you years and years down the road, right? Like that's that human aspect of is maybe missing. Well, and it's that pipeline thing, right? Work, right people, consistency equals success for the long haul. And by the way, when she texted me, it wasn't like I was like, www.notintheindustryanymore.com, not my problem anymore. You know, like it was like, oh, hey, you know, so I think it's like, it's not just the Amy show all the time. And it's that whole thing. And we've all seen the analogy. The first time I saw it was years ago from Mark Black on a sales hacker uh, video, the deposits versus withdrawals. Like you're always, we all have bank accounts to withdraw anything at any given time, I'm always going to have to deposit money. There isn't an infinite amount of money there unless I'm Jeff Bezos. Right. But like you, you have to continue to replenish that account. And if you haven't done that, you have nothing to retrieve. Same thing with all of this. Very true. Amy, your, your insights on all of these enterprise related topics have been amazing. This conversation has been really, really fun. I've enjoyed it. I'm sure Devin has enjoyed it. I'm smiling. You can't see me, but you can hear the smile. I love I've it. I've enjoyed it too. And thank you guys, because I, I feel like I peer pressured you where I was like, hey, I don't care who else would book. Guess what? We need to join forces and we need to talk. But you guys are awesome. Thank you for having me. I hope that this has been helpful for anybody listening. Cause honestly, this is the stuff that has served me really well and continues to serve me of how I structured my company and why even in COVID I'm doing okay. And I've got business and my clients are happy and business is being referred to me. So these are all things that matter. Um, and it's not just like, Oh yeah, Amy used to do that. Like 10 years ago, I saw every day here and all the same things that I did in enterprise sales, I do here to build my company and grow my company. So this is the stuff. So I hope it's helpful. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. 
And um, yeah, way to talk shop with me. Appreciate it. Every episode, we bring you a micro action or something you can take home from this podcast back to your business. When you think about your enterprise selling motion, where are there gaps when it comes to your customer insights? Many sales leaders, especially those who traditionally had field sales reps, are rethinking how to shift to a digital selling motion. Here are three key areas to consider when looking at how to improve your enterprise selling motion as you adopt remote selling. Deal visibility. You can't optimize what you can't see. Ensure you have the right tech stack that enables you to see what's really going on in every deal. Rep productivity. Since reps aren't traveling, they have more time on their hands. To make sure you're maximizing rep output, think about how you're tracking week over week activity and deal progress. Deal collaboration. This is a big one. The largest deals in your pipeline require team selling, and that means involving SDRs, sales consultants, customer success, sales engineers, and more. Give your reps the tool set to effectively work cross-departmentally to reel in your most important deals. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.